As many of you know, we, we have created this movement where the church has left the building of events, stories, and prayer, connection, care, and community. We call it City Lights, being light to each other and light to our city. And we divided our church into regions. And the East region today is, is our focus as we come together, both in these rooms and virtually, those of you who are watching on Facebook Live. And we want to pray for the East region today. And today with me is uh, two of our city pastors for the East, East region, Kevin Stenson and Kathy Arnold. Would you guys give them a warm Southbrook welcome and thank them for saying yes to this calling. Now, one of the things we want to do, we, we shifted a little bit. We, we want to give you something about them that maybe you don't know. And so I was told this week the thing that, that Kevin and Kathy have in common is that they are both pilots, like fly real planes. Well, that's true of Kathy, but it's not true of Kevin. So I told a fib at the last service when I said that. He owned a plane, but he didn't have a license. So, so he has flown the plane a lot, but uh, he didn't do it legally. So we don't recommend that. Okay, then you good to know that uh, your city pastors are repenting of their illegal activities. No, it gets worse. It gets worse. This is the only guy I know who was kicked out of the Vatican. <laughs> Some of you, you're like, is he saved? I mean, is he, is he, is he in? And uh, he is, I think. I think he's in. But I uh, just so appreciate people who are, you know, there's this, there's this picture we have of Isaiah where he says, God said to him, and whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here my Lord, send me. Isaiah chapter 6. And so we have scores of people who are going, here my Lord, send me. And I wish you could have sat in our City Lights meeting two weeks ago when all the regions came up and shared what's going on. And, you know, it's just, oh, my gosh, the church has left the building in like no time before. And, oh, by the way, COVID's put a little dent on our ability to do events. Wait till that happens. I mean, it's literally like 10% of what's going to be. But today we want to focus. And would you join me, Southbrook, in praying for Kathy and Kevin and the East Region under Pete, Le Pete Kramer's leadership. So let's bow together and, and virtually and, and live and in person join. And Lord, we pray that you bear much fruit as you bring heaven to earth through people like Kevin Stinson and Beth and Kathy Arnold and Scott and, and the whole East Region. We pray over them today. We pray for Pete and his leadership, that you will prosper them, that you'll take care of them, that everything in their life would go toward bringing heaven to earth, light to darkness because we know so many are living in darkness. They're living in the darkness of a life without God. They're living in the darkness of, of poverty and loneliness and hunger and divorce and, and bankruptcy. And there's just there's, there's isolation. And Father, we pray you use people like Kevin and Kathy in, in a way that we look back and go, wow, but for God. But for God, some people wouldn't have been prayed for their story would have never been known, and they never would have created connection, community, and care out of the events that are going to happen because of them. Thank you. We pray your shalom, your peace over them, that you'll bless them and keep them, make your face shine upon them, be gracious to them, and give them your peace. In the name of Christ, we all join together, Southbrook. And everybody said amen. Thank you to, Scott, to Kathy and Scott and to Kevin and Beth. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for joining with us to pray for these teams of people that are, you know, we, we, we had, throughout 2020 thought, oh my gosh, should we have done City Lights this year because it was such a difficult year. And now we look back and we learn so much. 
and there's so much going on in ministry. Uh, I can't even list a, a, just a tenth of what's going on. And, and we just thank for those of you who, who have been a part of this. And today, if you want to meet somebody in your region or the region you'd like to be a part of, go out to the kiosk afterward and just meet some people. Meet Kathy, uh, Kathy and Kevin and, and, and people in your area. And that's, that's what the whole kiosk thing is about. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do. If you have a smartphone device with you right now, I'd like for you to pull it out. And I'd like for you to go to your email, and I want you to, to, to send an email to hello at southbrook.org. Would you do that right now? Get your phone out, and here's what I, all you need to do is send your question about heaven. What's the question you have about heaven? Okay, I want you to do that because it would help me out a lot because next week is going to be part two of this. And then we're going to talk about it. Laura and Austin are going to talk about it tomorrow. We can hang over at noon, so join us lunch for that. But I'd like for you to do that. What's your question about heaven? Now, I'll go ahead and, and you may be asking this question. Or I'll, I'll give you the two top two that I get. That's, that's three. First, will there be dogs in heaven? That's a dumb question. Of course there'll be dogs in heaven. We're not sure about cats. We're not sure. No. It describes the lion will lie down with the lamb and... And the, the cats in heaven will just be lions and tigers. And no, they're, they're probably, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but there's going to be animals in heaven. So, you know, yes, I think there'll be cats in heaven. But C.S. Lewis said, you know, you could actually create a place that's a heaven for mosquitoes that would be hell for humans. And so though some of you cat people consider heaven. Um, the other question is, will there be golf in heaven? This is a question I've got. Oh, I'll be golfing, you know, and this happened through the years. So well, hey, hey, pastor, do you think there's golf in heaven? And, 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 a lot, and I've had actually guys do this little syllogism exercise. Well, you know, here's how it works for me. I don't think I can be perfectly happy if I can't play golf. And heaven is to be the place of perfect happiness, so therefore... I assume there's going to be golf in heaven. What think ye, oh, pastor? And I'll say, here's my pat answer. Here's what I say. Well, you know, the Bible says that there will be no lying, cheating, or swearing in heaven. <laughs> and then the other place will be a place of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And that doesn't that sound like a golf course to you? Doesn't that sound... So I don't know, I don't know. I, I, you know I, I, now I say, because I like golf, but I love tennis. And, and I say to people, you know what, there's, we know there's tennis in heaven because it'll be a place of love in the courts of God. <laughs> I mean, you know there's tennis in heaven. That's right, yeah. So the other thing that, that, that people want to know, though, is what will heaven be like? And, and it's, it's real important to understand this, that when we get into this next two weeks, of talking about heaven via Revelation 21 22, it doesn't get into the wallpaper and carpet. Some people want to know, what's the wallpaper and carpet like? Right? And it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about the people. It's about the people. And that's what the description is going to get to. How many of you have been with us throughout this series of blood and beasts and bulls? and you're ready for heaven. Anybody ready for heaven now? Like we've gone through hell. As George Strait and the Steve Miller band sang in Jetliner, we have been through hell, now we're gonna get to heaven. Anybody excited about getting to heaven? Because here's the other thing. If you think that heaven is just gonna be a place of harps and golden sashed robes of white, I got news for you. 
Look at these words. Let's begin. Revelation 21, verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. So the completion of the word, the expression of God upon wickedness. One of them said to me, come. I will show you the bride. Now remember in chapter 17, we saw the prostitute. The distorted reality of God. The, the, that showed the distorted reality of creation. Now it's the bride the wife of the lamb. Now again, this is symbolism. Literally, John is not being shown a bride. A, she's about to be married female. That, he's not saying that. Who's the bride represent? What's the imagery of the bride? The wife of the lamb. Who does that represent? Us, the church. We're the bride of Christ. So this is talking about you. If you say, I'm a part of the church, I'm a part of the movement of Christ, I'm a part of his claimed, the ecclesia, the called out of God, he's now going to describe you and me, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, is he describing a city here? No, he's using city imagery to describe the church. So when we reduce heaven, this inexpressible reality, down to it's going to be a city. You know, I like the country, so I don't want to have... No, this is symbolism. Jerusalem. We are the new Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, we're the new Israel. Israel's fulfillment has happened in the church, okay? Coming down out of heaven from God, and it shone with the glory of God. And this is this picture of... The transformed reality of God's collected through Christ, his church, his bride, his city, his people, shining with his glory. And I love what C.S. Lewis said about this. He said, you know, if you get caught in the symbolism, and for example, you reduce heaven down to a well-lit city and harps and, and, and white robes with golden sashes sitting on clouds, and you think, ah. How many, of you, how many of you think heaven forever being harps and sitting on clouds? Oh, is there another alternative to that? That's why a lot of people think, oh, I'll just spend, I'll be in hell partying with my friends. You ever heard that? You know, no, you won't. But, but we think that because we reduce the symbolism down to literalism. And I love what C.S. Lewis said about this. He said, there is no need to be worried by facetious people who try to make the Christian hope of heaven ridiculous by saying they do not want to spend eternity playing harps. The answer to such people is if they cannot understand books written for grown-ups, they should not talk about them. <laughs> All the scripture imagery, harps, crowns, gold, and so on, is of course a symbolical attempt to express the inexpressible. People who take these symbols literally might as well think that when Christ told us to be like doves, he meant that we were to lay eggs. So again, I just, you know, people get caught up. And that's why I almost called this series the most disappointing book in the Bible because we want it to be, you know, spectacular literalism, literal 666, who's 666, who's the market to be, who, who's, who's this, who's that. No, this is symbolism to say it's an inexpressible reality. Now I'm going to tell it to you in ways you can understand. And so for the next two weekends, that's what we're going to do. First one, here's what Revelation 21 says about you in heaven, you will be thoroughly joyful. How many of you have had a hard year and joy is of interest to you? See, happiness is what happens to you. It's great to be happy. That's not joy. Joy is what happens in you. That everything wrong has been set right. 
As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word shalom is what brings joy. Shalom is God has set everything right. And there's going to come a day when this reality, and oh, by the way, by the way, real quick on this, everything I'm going to tell you now and next Sunday can be experienced now. You don't have to wait till you die. You don't have to wait till you die. Because who brought heaven with him? Who brought heaven with him? Jesus is the temple. He is the connection between heaven and earth. And so everything I'm telling you, including this, you can experience what the New Testament calls deposits. You can experience this depository of heaven in the earth reality right now through Jesus. Look at these words, Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. How many of you, heaven would be worth it for just those words? Maybe you're in grief. You've lost someone you love dearly. You've lost relationship. You've lost, you've lost, you've lost. And John says, one of the things is there's no, there are no need for tear ducts in heaven because everything, and I love how my son Austin said he was describing heaven to Gunner the other night, and he said, Gunny, it'll be everything that makes you cry. Think about everything that makes you cry. That won't, that, won't, that won't be there. That won't be there. It's a great description of heaven. You will be joyful. Paul said in Revelate, or, um, excuse me, Romans 8, 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Now think about what he'd been through. Shipwrecks and persecutions and beatings and imprisonments. He said, I don't consider the things that we're suffering at this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. Is that what it says? What does that say? In us. In us. The, that this will be this complete, every once in a while, and you walk in Christ with his spirit in you, you experience like, oh my, that was heaven. That joy, inexpressible as heaven. Now it's going to be fully expressed in you. Not to you, in you. You will be thoroughly joyful. You will never have known up to that point what it's like to not have your joy with a restrictor plate on it. And, but there will be no restrictor plates on joy. You will be morally flawless, we're told. Morally flawless. How many of you have a habit that you wish you could break and you can't? How many of you have a character flaw you wish you could grow out of but you can't? How many of you don't have any of those things but the person sitting next to you, <laughs> man, do you wish God would go to work a little harder on that? Well, here's the thing about that, that you can experience on earth. Again, not in perpetuity because we won't know perfection in this life, but you can experience the freedom Morally. Think about this. Look at, look at these words. This is actually from John 3.19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why do we hide? We hide because we're afraid that if people really knew who we were, they wouldn't love us. The problem with that is, as long as you hide from people, you'll never know if people really do love you because they don't know you at your worst. They, know you, they don't know you when you've been your worst. So that's the problem. And this is the amazing thing about Christ. He brings you into a community. And this is why our church will always, as long as I'm leading it, it will always be core basis for this church will be, will be in, the, in recovery. Why? It's because in recovery you realize, I don't, I'm only as sick as my secrets. I'm only as sick as the things I keep in the dark. When I have community where I can know and be known, love and be loved, 
into me see that I'm set free. And that's a down payment of heaven. That's what heaven will be like. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. So if you're living there today, that makes you normal. That's the American way, really, is put this image control on, this image management. But you'll experience, as you grow in Christian community, you'll experience what it's like to be with people who love you, and they know you at your worst. They know you at your worst. I remember a big day when I was set free. I'll never forget it. 2004. And it was my first walk with friends through the 12 steps because I wanted to be free from the shame that drove me to be enough. Like this need to be perfect, this need to prove myself was compulsive. It wasn't of the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget it. We're going through with three or four friends. We're going through the 12 steps and, we, and we're doing inventory of our moral inventory and all the things that have kept you in shame. And I'll never forget the things I wrote down and one of them was when I was six years of age, I was with three or four other friends and we were showing off and acting like tough boys and I intentionally dropped a six-week-old puppy in a stream. I know. I mean, the, like I, I have, I, the, the line between evil and righteousness runs in my heart. I look back on that and I go, There's, I know, you're like, we're listening to him? What? <laughs> but that had... I was in my 40s then, and that shame had been with me all those years. And then this is what happened. I, I went down through my moral inventory. That wasn't the only one. And I, I expressed that. And then my dear friend, Todd McGowan, looked at me. And he said, remember, you have no right to judge that six-year-old boy. You have no right. That That... That kid was doing the best he knew at the time. That was the best he could do, and it wasn't good enough. But you have no right to judge him now in your 40s. And I remember seeing someone. It was a huge step of freedom for me. That, that, it no, that's why I can tell you now it doesn't control me anymore. And this is heaven. Heaven, no more hiding. Look, look at these words. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. No more hiding, no more. How many of you get, how many of you get tired with image management? The most exhausting thing in life is insincerity, isn't it? The most exhausting thing in life is managing an image, trying to keep it up. And in heaven, no image management. No image management. There'll be no more night. They need no lamp or, or of Light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. And he who was seated on the throne, verse 5, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these down, write these down for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of God, he says, that who else is he making new? It's not just earth, that heaven is going to meet earth and it's all going to come together. He's making you new. Isn't that good news? I mean, it's just such good news. Uh, we were watching our daughter or our granddaughter Frankie yesterday. She's 10 months old, and man, the top of her head smells good. Just smells like a baby. You know, it just smells like a baby. Anybody ever smelled a baby's head? Yeah, you have. You smell a baby's head, and, and you know, in heaven, we're going to smell the, uh, the top of each other's heads because we're going to smell new. We're going to smell like a baby. We're going to smell, I mean, it's just an amazing thing of the renewal. You, you don't know what it's like to be sin-free. You don't know what it's like. 
Madeline Lingle, one of my favorite authors, she was a Catholic writer and she wrote a book that changed my life called Walking on Water in which she magically communicates that without sin, we were meant to walk on water. We were meant to fly. You don't know what it's like to be free, fully, but you can get down payments of it. You can, in community, you can get down payments of, oh my gosh, when a friend in love looks at you and says, don't you judge that six-year-old boy, you're getting a down payment of when the Lord looks at you someday and says, don't you, don't you judge yourself, you have no right. I paid for that on the cross. You have no right to hold on to that. That's already paid for. You're free. And the light of the Lamb will shine over you. Look at these words, I love this. Verse 15 of chapter 21, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. Is he talking about a city or is he talking about who? He's talking about the church. So remember, he's not talking about a city here. He's talking about us. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. Anybody remember what the number 12 denotes? 12 tribes, 12 apostles. It's always the people of God. You're getting a description of God measures the whole. He knows you're in. He is measuring it out. Every corner of this city, every person who's a part of this, he knows. And as wide, as high as it is long, he measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits. How many of you know that 144 is a factor of what? 12 times 12. Again, this is the people of God. This is us. He's describing by human measurement, which the angel was using. He's saying, God is going to know you're there as he does now. And you don't have to hide anymore. It is a wonderful thing. You'll be thoroughly joyful. You'll be morally flawless. You will be completely fulfilled. We sang about that earlier. Don't we have down payments of heaven on earth, right? Where we just go, oh man, that was not just a, a thrill. That was a thrill that fulfills. We have those every once in a while where, where it's not just about getting a new toy. It's about the people. It's about the people. This is why you need to understand that when he's describing heaven, he's not talking about the wallpaper and the carpet. And is it going to be the weather of San Diego all the time? 72 and sunny. Is that where, that's what I, it's not about that. How many of you would rather live with miserable, selfish, crabby people in San Diego for the rest of your life or live in Ohio with selfless, giving, joyful people for the rest of your life. Now, some of you have to think about it. But most of us sane people would go, oh, I'd rather live in Ohio with joyful, generous people. This is the description of heaven. It's not about, I mean, 72 and Sunday's not going to matter because why? There are things of fulfillment that you can't even fathom that go way beyond weather. This is also why, really careful, if you've ever heard yourself say this, this is a checkpoint, when you'll hear someone say every once in a while, oh, I don't need all this in heaven. I just want to be able to walk on the beach with my dog. I just want the life I have now. Do you know that's evidence that you've lived a life of comfort? Because if you say, I want the life I have now, you're negating the fact that the 20th century was the bloodiest century in history, that right now little girls are being sold into sex slavery, and this life that you're asking for, well, I know what you're saying, but you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. Because what he's offering is way beyond your little walk your dog on Sanibel Island for the rest of your life. 
It's way beyond that. It is a restored reality. And that is actually a sign that you've lived a pretty sheltered, comfortable life. In heaven, there's going to be that down payment of fulfillment completely fulfilled. Maybe the most famous song that you two ever sang other than pride was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So we get those fulfillments. Uh, Bono wrote that because he was a Christ follower and said, you know, I, I, I've got the kingdom, but I don't have it fully. Well, that's, that's the kingdom we serve is it's here and we get down payments, but not fully. In that reality, it's gonna be fully. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Again, remember, in that region of the world, water was a very expensive commodity. That's why you see so many water imageries in scripture is because water is just not there much. Also wood, that's why you see a lot of wood imageries in scripture because you don't have much wood. There's a lot of stone, there's a lot of sand, but not a lot of wood, not a lot of water. And this is symbolic of oh, all you who have thirsted for life, you're gonna be satiated. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And this is the imagery of everything you've ever longed for has really been God. I mean, I know we think it's that car, it's that house, it's that Super Bowl win that's gonna make us fulfilled. But when we're asking for that, we're really asking for God. We're just looking for love in all the wrong places. And in heaven, that, that won't be the case. Chapter 21, verse 22 says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Many of us think about, I, I accepted Christ into me. Well, really, you don't. You accept him into you, but really, you enter into him, and in heaven, you'll be fully in him. You'll be utterly enveloped into the reality of love and joy and peace and rightness. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Again, this is not talking about a river. It's talking about the source of life that flows, bearing 12 crops of fruit. What's the number 12 denote? The people of God, a constant bearing fruit. This is really cool. Yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. What's gonna happen is the little bit of heaven we've seen come to earth through Jesus in the last 2,000 years. Without Jesus, there wouldn't be human rights. There wouldn't be women's rights. There wouldn't be children's rights. There probably wouldn't be hospitals and educational centers like we know because that all came because Jesus brought heaven to earth. And when that fully happens... When that fully happens, you're going to see heaven and earth come together and the healing of the nations take place. Anybody want to see that? Anybody want to see the Middle East healed? Oh my gosh, what that would be like. We don't know what that's like, do we? Anybody want to see America healed? Because we're not right. We're not. Our, our ideals are right. We're not right. And heaven's going to come, and it's going to join together, and you're going to see this fruit bearing. By the way, those of us who think that we're just going to go to heaven and bing, we know everything, know there's going to be this enveloping, this unveiling of experiences and bearing new fruit every month, this cycle. The world is going to take on a new reality. And isn't it going to be cool to see the Swiss Alps restored? 
to perfection or Maui or Ohio. Anybody want to look like, what's Ohio going to be like when heaven takes over fully? That's the idea. Look at this word. There will, there will be no longer, there'll be any curse. You don't know what it's like to live without a curse over you. Now in Christ, you experience that. You, by faith, you experience, I, I, I am a child of God, but there's still the not yetness of the kingdom that we haven't fully experienced it. You will. You will. There are down payments now, but then will be a full payment of curse-free living. You'll be thoroughly joyful, morally flawless, completely fulfilled, amazingly productive. And, and John tells us in chapter 22, his servants will serve him. This is really cool. If you think of heaven as just retiring on a beach and 72 virgins serve you, then your version of heaven is way off from John's idea. Because heaven will be again, we are priests serving his rule over the world. Again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We always think in America of heaven being someplace out there. Heaven will be this place restored and we will reign with him. Isn't that cool? We will serve with him. We will be productive. We'll say, Lord, Matthew 25, he says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and we gave you something to eat? And he'll say, oh, the least you did to me, you'll, you, you, you did to them, you did to me. Lord, these talents you've given us, what were they really about? Oh, they were really about serving people. Now enjoy the joy of your master. This is a really cool thing is all of you were given gifts and personalities to serve. And in heaven, you're going to see the full manifestation of your gifts and talents and abilities and yearnings. Here's the thing. I'll stop here. But the thing I want you to hear is this. If you think that heaven is just going to be this, okay, eternal church service. Turn to hymn number 406. <laughs> then no wonder you're not excited about it. No wonder you don't live with that hope bubbling within you, even in the worst times. You still have this hope. You know how, like, it's February and there are 12 inches on the ground, but summer's coming, right? Like, I know, Sherry and I are going to Hilton Head for spring break. It's 12, it's, it's 19 degrees, but Hilton Head's coming in six weeks, seven days, eight hours and 17 minutes, right? Yeah. I love this word from a writer by the name of Mark Buchanan. He said, I assume you're like me. I can get itchy skin and scratchy throated after an hour or so of church. Come on, admit it. I can get distracted and cranky when it goes too long. My feet ache, my backside numbs, my eyes glaze, my mind fogs, my belly growls. I find myself fighting back yawns and then not fighting them back, letting them gape and roar a signal to my oppressors. Let my people go and I'm the pastor. Yeah, how many of you, like, I, you know, that's why I wanted to lead a church like this one, because I don't really like church. Oh, my gosh, it's just boring most of the time. Sometimes we just do things to just change things up. Why? Because heaven will be an unveiling of fruit. Isn't that cool? Where we will be a part of making that fruit happen. Now, I got to say this. I got to tell you, what do you want you see, people say, how could a loving God send people to hell? God will never send anyone to hell. God will give you what you want. What do you want? 
If you wanted a Christless, Godless life here, it doesn't, I don't think it magically changes when you die. I don't know. But you're given what you want. There's some amazing reality that makes us human called the free will. And this question, I love the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. That doesn't literally mean Jesus on my forehead. It means he's, he's, he, has, he has entered my mind. I don't have the mark of the beast. I don't have the mind of the beast. I have the mark of Jesus. I am totally in him and he in me. Do you want that? Is that what you want? Look at these words. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Do you want that now? Because that's a good indicator of what you want forever. Dallas Willard said, you will know fullness of function in heaven, the unending creativity involved in a cosmos-wide cooperative pursuit of a creative order that continuously approaches but never reaches the limitless goodness and greatness of the triune personality of God. As only Dallas Howard could put it, that is so well put, that you are going to, you're going to, we're going to reign with Christ to bring about goodness in the healing of the nations. And to me, it's just so cool. Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, that's what City Lights is about. City Lights is really helping Jesus with his restoration project. That's just like, we're just, that's, we're just getting earth ready for heaven to come. Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. Now, with a tear in my eye, I have to tell you, Revelation 21, 7 gives a final warning. Those who are victorious and will inherit all this, and I'll be their God, and they'll be my children, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That was actually a picture outside Jerusalem of the garbage dump. It's, it's like, that's what you wanted? You, you could have had the temple, and you, you wanted the garbage dump? Because you said, that's where all my friends will be? Oh my gosh. And this is the second death. This is what you wanted? And I want to ask you to, to make a decision before you leave today. I know what I want. I, I'm not asking you to make a decision. This is what I deserve. Heaven is an act of grace. If, if we're in heaven now, it's not because we deserve it. Remember, I've told you, if you ever see that I am a member of Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia, you'll know I didn't get there on my own. You'll know that. Somebody paid my way in. And if you and I are a part of heaven right now, it's because of his grace that he invites you to want that? Are you kidding me? And if that's what you want, that's what you can have. But I'd really be sure about that before you leave, step one foot out of this room today. Doesn't mean you have it all figured out. But it does mean the desires of my heart are clear. I've been into Chronicles of Narnia lately. It's the, it's the allegory of of Christ, Aslan, the lion, um, in our lives. And there's a part when you get to the end of the Chronicles of Narnia where he's trying to capture what heaven is about. And the earthly side of the book is over and the heavenly side, the restored earthly side is coming. And I love these words. If you need to, close your eyes as I read these words. If If you need to really focus, and I want you to hear this. 
The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. Or I would put in there all the events, stories, and prayer. And we can most truly say that they all live happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. For all their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. And now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Father, you invite us into this reality that with ever-increasing measure, we begin to experience more of the present kingdom of heaven on earth. I thank you as we sang today that many of us can say, oh, Lord, you, your promises are true. That even if we're going through hell right now on earth, we can live with down payments, deposits, inklings of heaven because we have chosen to be a part of your church. We've chosen to enter into relationship where we find people who can look at us and say, no, don't you, don't you dare judge that six-year-old boy. There's grace for him. And, and today, I pray for that guy or gal who feels so unworthy of this. It's not about worthiness, it's about grace and invitation. The awe-inspiring reality that we have been asked to come as a part of your story. A story that knows no end. And I pray that he or she today says yes. Yes, God. Not only do I allow you to come into me, I enter into you. And someday when I die, somebody will have to tell me because I will have already been living in the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's our prayer today. Thank you for revelation. And thank you that we're not done yet, nor are you. In the name of the Lamb, the Christ, our light, we pray. And all Southbrook said, amen. See you next week for the last part in Revelation.